Welcome everyone. We have a few couple quick announcements for you today before we hear the great sermon from Pastor Jason. Hopefully it's great. He's been preparing, I know. <laughs> Anyways, we just want to say first off, it's weird that y'all aren't here, but we are managing and that is obviously our first announcement that our services right now are online only on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 11 a.m. We do not know how long we will be in this state, but um, we obviously care about you and your safety, and so we're taking every precaution we can to make sure you're safe. Next up, we have our book club, our next book club. This happens every Thursday of the month. Our next one is this Thursday, every first Thursday, this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom, and our book is called Woke Church by Dr. Eric Mason. And this is a great book if you've been concerned with uh, the way the church sometimes is complicit in issues of injustice or racism, but most importantly, what we can do as a church to help overcome that. So join us for that. We'd love to see you there. And lastly, this is a really exciting announcement. We reached our end of the year fund drive goal. Yes, claps. If you were here, I'd be encouraging you to clap and I'm sure you would be. So you can clap from home because this is a big deal. Our goal was $25,000 and guess how much we raised, you ready? $33,000, $33,042. That's a hard number to say, but that's the number you're seeing on our screen. And we're so excited. We cannot thank you enough. We know that um, every dollar you give is very meaningful to what we're doing, to our mission here, to our purpose here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so excited about that. You know, week three, we were like, oh my God, I don't know, are we gonna make it? And then we blew past it. So thank you again. That's all the announcements we have for today for you. Now we're gonna hear Jason's sermon. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of the service. Thanks, Alex. And I, I just wanna reiterate again, just how grateful we are, you know, we don't, uh, talk a lot about money and giving here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. If you are part of our church on Sunday mornings, back when we were gathering face-to-face -face still, you know that we don't even take an offering on Sunday mornings. But twice a year, we have a fundraiser, and we talk a lot about money those two times every year. It always feels a little awkward to us because what we do at the Oceanside Sanctuary isn't about you and your money. It's about the mission that we feel God has called us to have an impact in this part of the country. And your giving certainly helps us do that. Uh, so we are really blown away that we were able to uh, exceed our goal this year. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much for those of you who are able to give for this year-end fund drive. Well, I'm excited today because as I announced last week in my message, we are going to be embarking on a new teaching series on the topic of wisdom. For the next several weeks, we are going to lean into what it means for us to become people of wisdom. And I said last week in my teaching that Christianity is a wisdom tradition, that more than anything else, it's not about knowledge. It's not even so much about belief. It's about embodying the divine wisdom that we encounter in the, the Christian tradition best embodied 
by the person of Jesus. So today we're going to begin that series, and we're going to begin it by reading a text that's a bit unusual to read in churches, but it's actually a part of the lectionary today. So sometimes as a church, we read through the lectionary, which is a a weekly prescribed set of readings that a variety of churches around the world use. And sometimes we dip into the lectionary for our teaching. And today we did that. We're going to dip into that lectionary, but we chose a text that's a bit unusual in church settings. So I'm excited to bring that to you. But before we do, I want to ask you wherever you are, uh, wherever you might be watching us from, that you would join us first in just a word of prayer before we open up this text. God, we thank you so much for today. We ask that you would help us to quiet our hearts this morning, uh, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, as we are engaging in this online worship space together, we ask that you would make contact with us, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would begin if we haven't already, to learn how to recognize that still small voice that rises in our hearts and speaks to us about the things we were created for, the paths that you're leading us down, and the choices that stand before us. We ask that you would cultivate in us over the next several weeks a deeper understanding of what it means to live out your wisdom and that we would begin to practice ways that we can tune in a little bit clearer to your voice in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, today we're going to read from a passage from the book of Wisdom, chapter 10, verses 15 through 21. If you have A Protestant Bible, like I do, the Book of Wisdom is not even in your Bible. If you have a a Bible that has the Apocrypha included in it, then what that means is there's a collection of books that in the Protestant tradition, those Christian churches that broke away from the Catholic Church several hundred years ago, then you're part of a tradition that really doesn't include this passage or this book, the Book of Wisdom. But if you have a Catholic Bible or if you have a Bible that includes the Apocrypha in it, then you're going to find a variety of other books that are not included in the traditional Protestant Bible. And those books include the Wisdom of Solomon, or sometimes it's just called the Book of Wisdom. This is an amazing book, and it's a book that if you were raised uh, in a Protestant tradition that didn't read these texts, or if you were raised evangelical, you probably didn't even know that this scripture existed. Traditionally, it's a book that is attributed to Solomon. And when you read about Solomon in the Hebrew Bible, we read, of course, that Solomon was supposedly the wisest person to ever live. And we read about how Solomon, especially in the book of Ecclesiastes, dedicated himself to the pursuit of wisdom and the cultivation of wisdom in his life, But if you have a Bible that doesn't include the book of wisdom or the Solomon of wisdom, then you don't get to read Solomon's extended teaching on wisdom itself. That's exactly what the book of wisdom is. It's Solomon's extended discourse or extended teaching on how to understand wisdom and to identify the voice of wisdom in our lives. So today I wanted to kick off our series by reading from the book of wisdom, chapter 10, verses 15 
through 21, which, like I said, just happens to be a part of the lectionary today. So I'm going to read it to you, and then as usual, I'm going to share a few things that I'm noticing, and then I want to encourage you to share with each other in your comments online what you might be noticing here as well. Verse 15 starts and says, A holy people and a blameless race, wisdom delivered from a nation of oppressors. Now, I want to pause there before I read the rest of it and just point out to you that that first couplet, that first verse in Wisdom chapter 10, verse 15, really sets the tone for this entire verse that we're going to read. A holy people and a blameless race, wisdom delivered from a nation of oppressors. So the function of wisdom in this passage is to deliver a group of people who are holy and blameless from a state of oppression. Now that passage is going to continue on and dip into a familiar story. It continues. She entered the soul of a servant of the Lord and withstood dread kings with wonders and signs. She gave to holy people the reward of their labors. She guided them along a marvelous way and became a shelter to them by day and a starry flame through the night. She brought them over the Red Sea and led them through deep waters, but she drowned their enemies and cast them up from the depths of the sea. Therefore the righteous plundered the ungodly. They sang hymns, O Lord, to your holy name, and praised with one accord your defending hand. For wisdom opened the mouths of those who were mute and made the tongues of infants speak clearly. Now what we have here obviously is Solomon exploring what wisdom is and what wisdom means. And in doing this, clearly Solomon dips into that defining story of Israel, which is the story of the Exodus. This is essentially a poem about the Exodus and wisdom's role in bringing the people of God out of a place of oppression. But the first thing that I noticed, and maybe you noticed it too, is that wisdom is personified as a woman in this passage. Verse 16, she entered the soul of a servant of the Lord. Verse 17, she gave to holy people the reward of their labors. She guided them along a marvelous way. Verse 18, she brought them over the Red Sea. Verse 19, but she drowned their enemies. Wisdom in the Hebrew Bible is always personified as a woman. It's something that we don't often talk about or notice that wisdom is continually cast in the role of a woman in the Bible because we have a tendency, especially I think in Protestant traditions, to always speak about God and think about God gendered as a man. And so, of course, we've erased the female gendering of God from much of our discourse about Christianity and faith and who God is and how God behaves in our lives. But I think there's a reason why wisdom is personified as a woman. You know, yesterday I was uh, putting together a garage sink at our house. Believe it or not, we got a garage sink for Christmas, it was my gift to my wife. I bought my wife for Christmas a utility sink for the garage. And before you think that's a terrible Christmas gift, just to defend myself, 
I want you to know that my wife has been asking me for a garage sink for months because she spins pottery at home. And in spinning her pottery, she has a need for a sink to wash her tools and wash everything up. And so it's really become a hassle that she has to go all the way back into the house to wash things. And so she asked for a sink for Christmas. And of course, I bought her a sink for Christmas, which meant yesterday, actually Friday and Saturday, I was busy installing a garage sink in our garage, which is not the funnest thing you've ever done in your life. But I love my wife and that was my gift to her. So that's what I was doing. But of course, like any project like this, any home improvement project, I had to make a trip to Home Depot at some point to pick up some tools and supplies in order to get this job done. And when I did, I was working on the sink and trying to figure out what valve I needed to connect the sink to the water supply in the garage. If you've ever installed a sink or a toilet, you know exactly how this works. And I had to figure out what kind of valve I needed. So I was making some notes and making a list of the things that I needed. And just as I was getting ready to go to Home Depot, this little voice in my head spoke up and said, don't forget to bring the water line with you. And of course, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, because once I get to Home Depot, I'm not going to know exactly which valve fits my water line unless I have the water line with me. But like I often do when that little voice cropped up in my head and said, don't forget to bring the water line. I said, yes, but I didn't actually do anything about it. I sort of brushed it aside, I finished making my list, I jumped into my truck, and halfway to Home Depot, I realized I had forgotten the water line. Well, I was halfway to Home Depot, and Home Depot is, of course, 100 miles away from my house. It's not really, it's only 10 miles away from my house. But once you're in Home Depot, you have to walk 100 miles just to get to whatever it is that you need. So I decided I'm not going to turn around, I'm just going to go. I'm pretty sure that it's a 3 8 inch fitting. I got to Home Depot, I stood there in the plumbing aisle, and I looked at the array of valves and water lines, and I began to doubt my intuition, and I began to question it, and the next thing you know, I'm buying the wrong size valve for my line, thinking that I had made the right decision. I get all the way home to discover that it's the wrong one. So of course, I had to go back a second time, and this time, I brought the water line with me. I share that story because I think that is exactly what the voice of wisdom is like in our heads. I think that when wisdom comes, when God speaks to us with the voice of wisdom, it's very much that still, small voice that crops up, that rises up, right before you're about to do something stupid that says, this is probably not a good idea, Jason. Or right before you make a decision that has some sort of important uh, consequence in your life, that little voice that crops up and says, make sure you remember to do this, Jason. And it's so easy to dismiss that voice. I think one of the reasons that the wisdom of God is personified as a woman in Scripture is because we have a tendency to ignore and erase women's voices. And I think that is exactly how the voice of wisdom works in our lives. The voice of wisdom is not coercive. The voice of wisdom is not violent. The voice of wisdom is that still small voice that crops up right before a choice we have to make, 
right before a decision that has consequence, right before a fork in the road where we know that one path will lead to something wise and the other to something foolish, but for some reason enticing and tempting, it's that still small voice that pops into our heads and says, this is not a good idea. And yet so often we ignore it. We brush it aside. In other words, the voice of wisdom is a voice that can be ignored. The voice of wisdom is a voice that can be brushed aside or denigrated or marginalized or completely erased. And so for that reason, I think that wisdom is something that's easy for us to walk through our lives without ever having to listen to. But when we do listen, that voice brings good things. Which leads me to the second thing that I notice, which is that wisdom doesn't just lead us to making good decisions about water valves so that we can install install, uh, sinks in our garage. Wisdom leads us to decisions that bring about justice, that bring about the opportunity to make things right in the world. Verse 18 from this passage says, She, again, speaking of wisdom, she brought them over the Red Sea and led them through deep waters. But she drowned their enemies and cast them up from the depths of the sea. And therefore the righteous plundered the ungodly and sang hymns, O Lord, to your holy name and praised with one accord your defending hand. I think the other thing that I notice about this passage is that often when we think about wisdom or we think about people who are wise, we tend to think of lonely, isolated, contemplative sages. People who have separated themselves from the world and community and exist in some state of contemplative bliss, just them and God. But when I read the Hebrew Bible and I read about people who were wise, I read about people who were not isolated and distanced from the community. They had not separated themselves to the point where it was just them and God. Instead, they remain firmly entrenched in the workings of the world. And wisdom guides them to be not only liberated from oppression, but then to bring liberation to those who are oppressed. We see that progression in this passage. First, wisdom comes to a holy people to liberate them from the oppression of the Egyptians, but then they continue themselves to plunder the the ungodly. This, I think, is a passage that could be easily misunderstood. It could be, I think, understood as a kind of violent colonizing of other people. But instead, I think what's happening here is that those who were oppressed become those who bring liberation to others. And that is exactly what we see in the story of the Exodus. A hated and reviled and enslaved people in Egypt are not only liberated because they learn to listen to the voice of wisdom, but they then go on to become the people through whom God brings liberation to the world. Wisdom comes not just to make our lives more convenient, 
Wisdom comes not just to help us make good decisions individually. Wisdom comes to make things right in the world. Wisdom is active and at work in the lives of the entire community. And in that way, wisdom transforms us individually and communally. And this is the third thing that I notice. Verse 21, I think, depicts it vividly. When Solomon writes, For wisdom opened the mouths of those who were mute and made the tongues of infants speak clearly. This, I think, is, of course, a clever reference to Moses himself, who was called by God to bring liberation to the oppressed Israelites in Egypt. But Moses protested, I cannot speak. And God said, I will give you the words to say. Solomon is pointing out that because Moses listened to wisdom, Moses was transformed. Moses was like an infant who was given the ability to speak clearly. In this way, when we listen to wisdom, we become different. We become transformed. We become wise rather than foolish. And that is exactly, I think, what it means to say that we become holy or righteous. Holiness or righteousness is not a state of perfection. It is not a place of superiority, morally or ethically. Holiness and righteousness for those in the Hebrew tradition means that we hear and recognize and obey the voice of wisdom when she speaks in our hearts. And because we recognize her voice and because we obey her call, we become people who are transformed, different, set apart. That's literally what the word holy means. It means set apart. What is it that you need wisdom for in your life today? How is it that you are learning to listen to that quiet, gentle, non-coercive, still small voice that crops up every now and then and says, here is where you should go. How are you learning to pay attention to that voice? How are you learning to cultivate ears to hear that voice more clearly? That's really the question that we will be approaching for the next several weeks as we dig through uh, the Old Testament scriptures and New Testament scriptures that speak specifically to this idea of wisdom. If Christianity is a wisdom tradition, then it's our job to learn how to cultivate this ability to hear her voice and obey her when she speaks. I pray that you would join us on this journey, and at the end of it, we would be a people who are more prepared to bring justice and liberation to our community. Would you pray with me one last time before we worship some more? God, we thank you again for today, for this opportunity for us to uh, attend to your words, to learn to open our ears and our hearts to the ways in which you are speaking to us. We ask that you would begin to plow deeper furrows into our hearts where wisdom can be planted, where it can take root and grow so that we can become people who 
are holy and righteous and set apart for good things in our community. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.